As we continue the celebration of women who are making major economic impacts and sitting in high levels of organizational leadership, we want to go back into the vaults of the ROI podcast and revisit one episode with a Kelly grad who led a publicly traded company back into the private sector. Former CFO of Exact Target, which is now Salesforce, Tracy Dolan, is sharing tips that led her into the C-level suite. What's also special about this episode is this is my first episode as host of the ROI podcast. It's hard to believe how much this show has grown since then, and it's all because of you, our audience. And I'm so honored because you have made this show so successful. So sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so, so much. If this is your first time checking out our podcast, welcome to the Kelly family. Our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions through our weekly episodes. If you are wrestling with a business question, would like to give us feedback, or simply know a guest that would be great on our show, send us an email to roipod, that's roipod at iupui.edu. Also, be sure to come back next week as we sit down with Kelly's own Kim Donahue. She's one of our marketing professors and is going to help us create loyal fans of our organizations, not simply customers or donors. And now, let's jump into our time machine as we go back into our vault and celebrate Tracy Dolan. Good morning and welcome to another episode of the ROI Podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella, broadcasting from the beautiful downtown Indianapolis campus with, as always, my special guest, Associate Dean of Academic Programs, Phil Powell. Hey, Phil. Hi, Matt. You know, we're doing a lot of great stuff here this summer, getting ready for another great academic year. Yeah. Indianapolis is on fire and there's so many opportunities to make sure we're reversing talent shortages and disseminating knowledge to make companies globally competitive. Sure, sure. I know one of the big things that we're, we're talking about, or at least we should you know, realize is we're, all, we're only about a month or two away from the 10-year mark since the horrible 2008 financial collapse that experts are calling the worst implosion of the global market since the Great Depression. That's left so many families in turmoil and creating a highly conservative approach to the way both businesses and families spend money. However, the global markets over the past few years indicate sort of a bounce back. Absolutely, Matt. We're in an unprecedented uh, recovery time. Mm-hmm. Unemployment is low. The confidence people have in the economy is really reflected through the recent strength of our global market. For the first time in 2018, for a long time, all, all global regions were expected to grow. Uh, and that's breathing new life into a startup business environment as well as expansion and growth in established companies. We just need to look at recent trends to see this. Um, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, startup firms were at an all-time low in 2010 following the collapse, but jump now, jump to just last year, 2017, we saw the number of new business creations grow by close to 100,000 since 2010. Huge bounce up. And just last year, startups, just startups, gained 1.7 million jobs. And the growth just continues right now, and we're seeing it in Indianapolis, and it's driving our opportunities here at the Kelly School. Not to mention, major corporations seem to be reaping the benefits, too. You know, in fact, the U.S. Bureau of Economic Analysis are calling the first quarter, just the first quarter of 2018 alone, an all-time high for corporate profits since 1950s. They are pretty much profiting close to $190 billion this year. Um, And that's some serious spending power if you're sitting in those executive suites or trying to grow your corporation. Absolutely. And uh, this should give all of our listeners 
who's sort of been on the fence about whether they start a new business and waiting for the right time, you know, our current economic conditions just might give them the encouragement to take that leap. Yeah. And let's talk about that for a moment. I mean, following the 2008 collapse, we experienced a major slowdown, as you said, in small business creation. Um, in fact, new business startups fell by almost 150,000, going from just over the 600,000 uh, new business mark in 2006 to barely crossing the 450,000 mark in 2014. That's according to the U.S. Census. So I, mean, I got to ask you, what do potential entrepreneurs, what do they need to do to overcome their fear and take advantage of this incredible growth? You know, it's simple to say and hear, but it's hard to implement. The bottom line is folks really need to be confident. It's something that's intangible. They need to trust the economic trends and plug themselves into the growth, into to the momentum that's creating in the country. Um, starting a business will always come with uncertainty, fear of the unknown, and will most definitely push a new business owner's comfort level. It's, it's what you sign up for, but it's also the excitement that comes with it that makes this so attractive. And all of this comes your way no matter what the market is doing, whether it's low, whether it's high. But seeing how far we've come since 2008, I feel if there was ever a time to take a chance to start your new business, it's a good time right now. And one of our marketing professors, Kim Saxon, sat down for an interview with former CFO of Exact Target, Tracy Dolan, uh, who most certainly can speak about pushing personal comfort levels. Not only did she rise to the CFO of a tech company without a technology background, but as CFO of, a, of another company, she led the decision to take the public company private. That alone would create a huge level of uncertainty. She says that no matter where we are, whether we're about to start a business or on the tip of the spear for making uncomfortable business decisions that really could affect our own career, we have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. But you can't be paralyzed by fear either. My, my greatest uh, achievements uh, in my professional career have been because I've put myself out there a little bit, outside my comfort zone, uh, either applying for a job that I really didn't know that I was qualified for or uh, taking the lead on some project that I maybe didn't have the skill set for and just trying to figure it out and knowing it wasn't going to be perfect. But you just can't be paralyzed by failure. And I often see people struggle with decision making because they're fearful of making a mistake. And it's, it's paralysis to an organization if, if that happens. And this is not simply for those of us trying to start our own business either. This can apply to those of us in the corporate world who have sites and upper management positions, director roles, ultimately the C-suite, being CEO. Those looking to grow themselves in the professional world have to constantly push their comfort levels. You can never be complacent with yourself. I'm not saying we make radical decisions without doing our research first, but we cannot expect to grow ourselves as a corporate professional, as an entrepreneur, by standing still. You know, if we're struggling with complacency, and we don't know what to do, the best advice I can offer is to find people who have succeeded and surround yourself with those people. We want to be surrounded by those who have our dream jobs. They emit energy that is contagious. And if they're running our dream business, they become an inspiration, and inspiration is the most powerful way to drive us to success. To connect with those people, you've got to network. You want to take them out for coffee, sit across the table and just listen. The best executive skill you can develop is listening. And when you're listening and talking to folks who inspire you, you want them to talk about their failures, their personal habits, what they're reading, what, what do they view as success? How do they balance life and work? 
But more importantly, how did they overcome defeat? Because actually what hardens our our success as, as an executive, as an entrepreneur, is how we respond to failure, not how we respond to success. Yeah, and if we're in a position that affords us to hire, Tracy says to surround ourselves with the best, then get out of their way. Hire people smarter than yourself. Let them grow and develop and hopefully take the role you were sitting in so you can keep growing too. And I think oftentimes people are less inclined to do that. They're either micromanaging or they're somewhat um, concerned that someone's going to upstage them or whatever. I think that's the absolute wrong way to look at it. So by bringing on the smartest people you can find and and actually trying to fill the gaps that you yourself don't possess, I think uh, is the greatest way to keep growing and developing and, and ending up in the C-suite. The beauty of these principles Tracy shares is they're scalable for entrepreneurs and corporate professionals because really, no matter what our title or where we fall in the corporate chain, we will have to make decisions. Some decisions will affect our organization, but most of the decisions we make will affect us personally. You know, Matt, that's a good point. Because even decisions we don't make, decisions we are afraid to make, or decisions we choose to avoid, they are in fact a decision. In those moments, no decisions becomes our decisions that we willfully made, even though we may not realize it. And people around us see that. And a lot of that stems simply from a fear of failure. As Americans, we have a culture of winners and losers. If our decision succeeds, we turn a huge profit, hire the perfect candidate, we're seen as a winner. We celebrate individual winners in this culture. Yet if we fail, we decide that person really doesn't fit. It doesn't fit our company's missions. We attach short-term profit loss to their decisions. And if we find ourselves on the losing side of that decision, or actually the person that made that that decision, we're afraid that we're going to be labeled a loser. And that's what business leaders have a hard time overcoming. They simply don't know how to let go of that binary mentality of of win and loss. They see it as a one-time game, when really success is about playing this game over and over and over again. And as you respond and learn from loss, you minimize the chance you're going, to win, you're going to lose moving forward. Which can cripple someone's opportunity for growth. And for many, it's that fear that they don't even want to try. They want to sit in their bubble of comfort and just go with the flow, so to speak. But that view has to change because no matter what, life always guarantees us failures. It's not about winning or losing in business. It's about growing or stagnating. If Tracy let her failures, for example, define her, I bet my money that she would simply be crunching numbers as a public accountant still. However, here's what she has to say when it comes to failure. I'm sure my life is full of failures, Um, but I just kind of dust myself off and don't look at them as failures. I look at them as learnings Um, because every day tomorrow I'm going to fail at something. I'm not sure what it'll be, but it won't be what I failed at today. This I can tell you because I will have learned and I'll pick myself up and keep going. And what better example of how to navigate through failure than, I mean, just recently, Mark Zuckerberg, CEO of Facebook, dealing with a lot of poor business choices recently. And let's study that for a moment. Here we have Facebook, a multi-billion dollar company. Everyone knows about it. It's global, worldwide. Make some really poor business decisions that affect us personally. I mean, we're talking giving away information to companies that we didn't even know Facebook probably even had or we're trusting them. 
So here we even find Zuckerberg having to testify before Congress, gaining the attention of major national media outlets, which for most would destroy the reputation, kill profits, and potentially the company. And who knows, this could still blow up in their face as it's still pretty early on, but at the moment, their stock prices indicate quite the opposite. So let me ask you, Phil, like what if Zuckerberg let fear overtake how he leads? And what if he let his failure or his anxiety of making a decision cripple the process? You know, despite all that's stacked against the future of Facebook with these challenges, they're essentially turning their lemons into lemonade. Sure, it's coming with a high financial price tag, and Facebook stock did take a hit during this period. And I guarantee Zuckerberg feels the anxiety of his decisions, especially under all the scrutiny in so many ways, especially connected to the, to the political world. But the big takeaway is he's still making decisions and he is still moving forward. And even though they may not be the right ones to make, the fact that they are made gives investors the confidence that they can put their money behind the company because they have a, a CEO that's willing to make the hard decisions. That in itself has value, despite the bad press. Despite what they're going through, they closed at $207 per share on July 16th. And that's the highest they've been since they went public, that price, in spite of what's going on. So if you're one to become overwhelmed with anxiety in the midst of making decisions, one practice to build your confidence is to know what's going on in your department or your organization as soon as possible, get ahead of it, and make the best choice with the information that is known. I think the sooner I can come up to speed on um, what's going on in the organization, the more effective a decision maker I will be. So I haven't been mentored to do that per se, but just by career history, I think it's just evolved. Fear of failure and the anxiety that comes with decision making puts serious growth stoppers in our path to professional success. We have to remember that these emotions are normal for everyone. What separates those who are successful from those who are stuck is that they learn how to overcome them instead of being overcome by their emotions. Finally, um, it's extremely important that we don't limit ourselves by saying it cannot be done. In order to be a leading business owner or a top-level top executive, we have to let go of the we-can't-do-this mentality. Tracy quickly learned that her focus for, as a public accountant had to expand past the numbers and spreadsheets. This shift in seeing the big picture and how to make uncomfortable choices ultimately landed her that coveted C-level position. What becomes really important is being that strategic business partner. And once you establish yourself as that and understanding the business and trying to find ways to say yes, so that the answer isn't just, no, you can't do it, but it's, you know, you can't do that, but let's figure out how we can do this so it's a win for the business. In fact, you're not working with the business uh, and you're sitting in your, your little office cranking on spreadsheets or something, pretty soon no one's going to want to talk to you and you've lost your strategic value to the, to the company. So let's recap. The key is to start. Start the business. Start learning your organization. Start finding a mentor or start embracing the uncomfortable growth necessary for success. Next, it's about shifting our perspective of failure. Whether in fear of failure or anxiety of making decisions, we have to see failure as fertile grounds for personal growth. Finally, we cannot limit ourselves with a cannot do attitude. We have to figure out ways to make it work so we and our business ultimately succeed. Thanks for tuning in this week. As always, thank you, Phil, for being here today. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to discover more, check out our archived episodes and don't forget to subscribe. While you're there, tell us what topics you want to hear. 
leave a review, or just say hi. I'm Matt Martella, and this has been another edition of the ROI Podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business.